I'd appreciate if you'd take a moment to give me your thoughts about the previous year on the Lutheran Cartographer, what you liked and what could be improved. If you could go to lutherancartographer.com slash 2020 survey, I'd appreciate it. Let's get into the show. The Lutheran Cartographer, episode 58. Welcome to the Lutheran Cartographer, the podcast where we explore what it's like to be Lutheran in different places. I'm your host, Nicholas Weber. Today we are going a long way, all the way to Australia, to Queensland, to the town of Dalby, to talk to Pastor Jake Zabel. He is the pastor of St. John's Lutheran Church in Dalby. Pastor Zabel, welcome to the show. G'day, thanks for letting me on. It's good to be here. It's good to have you. So help orient our listeners geographically. Most people know where Australia is. Where exactly is Dalby? So first you'll need to know where Queensland is. So if you look at a map of Australia, Queensland is a rather big state on the east coast of Australia. Probably majority of people in Australia actually live on the east coast. Uh, Our state is rather big. Brisbane, the capital city, is about, if you go halfway down the east coast, it's right, right smack bang in the, the uh, centre of the east coast. So it is from the bottom of Queensland to the top of Queensland is about the same distance from Brisbane down to Melbourne. And to find Dolby, you want to go inland. So first, if you travel inland about anywhere between two to four hours, depending on city in Queensland and then Dolby is about another hour to an hour and a half west of Toowoomba. Uh, It's rural areas, it's scrubland. Uh, If you're looking at a map of Queensland and you're going along the border between New South Wales and Queensland, we're not quite halfway along but we're roughly in that area and it's technically I think counted as Outback Australia but I know most of your listeners, when they think about back Australia, they're probably thinking of deserts and like the big cattle ranches out west and stuff like that. You don't really get to that kind of um, area until you kind of cross the border into the Northern Territory. So while we are technically outback Australia, we're not kind of that stereotypical outback Australia. We've got a lot more scrubland, trees. We do have things like Lots of emus, kangaroos, dingoes, um, feral pigs, and the stereotypical um, outback critters out here. Good deal. So help our listeners understand where you are in relation to Sydney, a place where many people have at least heard of. You're north of there, correct? Uh, yeah. So... Sydney is, like I said, Brisbane is about smack bang in the centre of the south coast. And then Sydney, I'm not sure how many hours exactly, probably about eight hours south along the the east coast and you probably run into Sydney. I see. Good deal. So tell us a little bit more about you, your background and where you've been before. Okay, so when you want background... Do you want all like my church history as well, or just where I've lived? Uh, whatever you'd like to share. Definitely the second, but some of the first too. 
Yeah, well, some of the first may help explain some of the second. So I grew up in an area uh, known as Kalana, and I don't blame your listeners for not knowing where that is. Most people around the area didn't know where it is because Kalana was a little rural suburb in the local area, the main the main area that people would know, for at least Australian listeners would know, is a place called Minden. Uh, it's a really heavy Lutheran area. I was part of the, there's the Marburg Valley and the Minden Valley. You may recognise that both names are German. That's because they were heavily settled by Lutheran German immigrants. And so that's a rather heavy German area. And that's where I grew up. I was part then, I was baptised and uh, raised in the Minden Lutheran Church there. Zion was the congregation. It was a member church of the Lutheran Church of Australia, which is the main synodical body here in Australia. And it was a rather conservative congregation, and I grew up in that. And then I decided to enter the office of the ministry. So I headed down to the Lutheran Church of Australia Seminary, which is located in Adelaide, South Australia. So that's um, if you go along the south coast of Australia, it's kind of right there in the middle. If you look at the map, there's like a little boot that kind of looks like the Italy boot. Um, that's the York Peninsula. You jump across to the coastland there and Adelaide's around that area for people looking at maps. And that's where the seminary was, and I was there for four years out of the um, five-year seminary course. Um, while down there, I um, met who would then become my wife. Um, she lived in the Adelaide Hills. Her father is a pastor of an independent Lutheran church, and um, I had, like I said, I grew up in a conservative congregation in Minden, but when I went to the seminary, I found out that the Lutheran Church of Australia is kind of a mixed bag and why there are some conservative confessional congregations. There's also quite a lot of very liberal Lutheran congregations as well. And I took issue with a number of practices in the LCA that I was not even aware of until I went to the seminary because our church never had them. Um, and so like a lot of women doing stuff in church and... Uh, like the LCA's official teachings on things like creation and inerrancy, they're pretty loose. Um, and the whole situation's complicated. We don't need to get into this now, but I decided to uh, end my studies there and I approached a much smaller Lutheran synod known as the Australian Evangelical Lutheran Church. And they're all located back up in Queensland. They have a total of seven congregations and they're all located up here around the Toowoomba area. And so me and my wife moved up here. Um, technically, we were only engaged. I moved up first, then we got married. She moved up later. But we then moved to um, basically a manse um, owned by some of the parishioners. Uh, it was their rent a house. People wouldn't know where that is. It's a little uh, one-horse town. It's got like a post office and a primary school, and that's about it. It was half an hour west of Toowoomba to go back into relocating our, um, locating where it is, and about 
Where Mount Tyson is, you got half an hour to Toowoomba. You got probably about 45 minutes from there to Dolby. 20 minutes north takes you to Oakey. 20 minutes south takes you to Pittsworth. So that's kind of where that is located. I was there for a year while I did my vicarage with the AELC um, before, again, some complicated issues, which um, then had me, um, my vicarage was cancelled and the AELC excommunicated me um, over some theological issues. There was an agreement there and uh, then we were kind of in need of a house. Um, the, the people who owned the house were nice enough to let us stay in the house at Mount Tyson until we got ourselves organised, uh, which was good because we wife was pregnant at that stage and this 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 is about ooh, 2019 is now where we are and then basically like i said my wife's father he's a lutheran pastor of an independent church but so my wife actually grew up in dolby uh her dad used to be a farmer up in dolby until he entered the office of the ministry and got a call down to the Adelaide Hills. And so he actually had always kept the farm up here in Dolby, which he had renters living in. And then basically we needed a house. We waited for the renters to finish up their lease and move out. And then we moved in about September of 2019. And then... Um, was, oh, wait, is that right? No. Sorry, I skipped, I, I, I've moved myself ahead of year. 2018, September 2018, we moved out here. Sorry. Um, and then um, in May of 2019, uh, Pastor Magnus, who you had on a, uh, Magnus Sorensen from Denmark, who you had on an earlier episode, um, I entered into church fellowship with him. He flew out here in about May of 2019 and ordained me in the office of the ministry. And then come September of 2019, him and I uh, founded the Coelk or Confessional Orthodox Evangelical Lutheran Communion. And yeah, that's a bit of a long history, but that that's, that's everything. <laughs> Excellent. So tell us a little bit more about how you compare the different areas of Australia. It sounds like you have kind of a wide background. How would you contrast them with each other? So basically both Mount Tyson and Minden were kind of your little rural towns, the kind of Everybody knows everybody. Uh, everybody calls you mate. You're all friends. At least, though, the Minden area was that when I grew up there. In about the last five years or so, you've had the changing situation there where a lot of the old farming families have either died off or moved out and a lot of housing estates have go gone in. And big problem with those is that they tend to be filled up with a lot of people living on welfare or a lot of people, sadly, that are on drugs. Uh, for example, near where I grew up, there's a, the main town around there is called Lowood. It's got a housing estate called Eagle Rise, 
and the ambulance will not go in there without a police escort. That's kind of how bad the area has gotten down there now. And it's quite sad because when I grew up in there, it was it was farms as far as the eye could see and most people went to church. You'd go to church and everyone in the congregation would be basically a farming family. And so it's really changed a lot in its demographics in the last five years or so. Mount Tyson is still much kind of like that, a lot of rural area, a lot of farming families. Adelaide, where I went down to for seminary, it's, it's a city, although Adelaide is very different to a lot of the other capital cities. Places like Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne, they're your real big capital cities, kind of like, I don't know, New York and um, places like that. They're your big cities. Adelaide, even though it's a capital city, just the population of South Australia is a lot smaller and Adelaide itself is a much smaller capital city, which actually I think makes it a lot nicer in the end. Um, having been raised in the country, I was much happier getting back out to rural areas. So the four years at SEM, you know, it was nice, but I just, I was glad to get out of the city and get back to the country. As for Dolby, Dolby is a rural area. Dolby is a country area, but it's kind of, it's the main big town out here. So it's, it's quite, it's, it's bigger. Um, and because of that is you tend to lose a lot more of that small country atmosphere. Dolby isn't like the one where everybody knows everybody, everybody's friends. It's, it's rural, it's country, but it's still kind of very, it's like big, big town kind of situation. It's a big country town. I see. So would you say it's kind of uh, small enough to not be very well known, but also big enough where you don't have that kind of friendly rural atmosphere that you were just talking about of some of the other places? That'd probably be accurate, yeah. Okay. So tell us about the best things about the area. So it is very rural and it's very agricultural. I mean, for people who like to live in the city, they probably won't like it. But people for me that like to live in the country, it's a great um, country feel. I mean, though, people who like the city could probably, if they lived in town, may not have a problem. I mean, it's got that because it's a bigger town, you can have people that are more city orientated, would be happy in town. But there's plenty of farming area out of town where people who are more uh, country related would would fit in better. So that's probably a good thing about it. Um, yeah, I mean that would that would be it. Yeah. All right. So on the flip side, what are the challenging things about the area? Have the housing estates come to Dolby yet? What would you say are some of the challenges being there? Yeah, so Dolby does have housing estates and stuff like that, but the most challenging part would actually be crime, would be my biggest um, complaint about the Dolby area. Um, you got a lot of people on welfare out here. Um, that's a mixture of people in town that don't want to work, um, people in town that can't find work. They're, they're, you know, they're, not everyone's not just lazy there are people that are looking for work but can't find work although those people aren't the problem like 
they can't find work, but they're still looking. It's the people that live on the government welfare and couldn't care less if they've got a job. Um, sadly, Dolby is one of those places where we've got a lot of Indigenous people here, and while that's not an issue, the issue is that they live on government welfare and it's kind of created this perpetual um, culture among them where they live on welfare and you go, you go, if you drive through town at night, you'll see a lot of um, Indigenous children just middle of the night, just walking around um, at the parklands and um, drug and alcohol um, issues, not just among the Indigenous people, but among just everyone in Dolby is kind of an issue. Um, and like I said, crime is an issue, not just in town, but out of town. Um, in town, there is a lot of drug crime, but also there's an issue that, like just last year, there was um, some someone going around or a group of people going around and they were they would let people's dogs out and then when the people didn't have a dog to, to guard the place or warn them, they'd come back a few nights later and rob the place. Oh, wow. Um, so, and then out, out west here, so if you go a bit more out west, um, so I, I work in town at a pet shop to help supplement my ministry um, because I'm more of a church planter than anything. Uh, one of my co-workers, she commented um, that... She says, when you go out west, you start noticing all the padlocks on the gates. And so for that is like we have padlocks on our gates because you just you have problems with trespassing and people. Um, we've had like I've been here for two and a bit years now. And we've in that time at least twice had people cut our locks and come in in the middle of the night. Oh, wow. Um, the big issue. Yeah, the big issue with that is people that are, we call them piggers. Um, so government will pay money for feral pigs. So if you can shoot feral pigs and then like hand over the hides and stuff, you can get a bit of money for that. And there are a lot of people that have basically made that into their official business. Uh, also, doggers is another one. Uh, feral dogs, dingoes, if you can trap them and hand over the bodies to the government, you get money. And there are people that have made a... Um, a living out of that. Um, and some people with that are pretty good. We've got a, there's a fella, he's a neighbour of ours, he's an Indigenous fella that he, he lives off of the dogging money and we let him set traps on our on our um, kind of back paddock. So, and he's pretty good. We haven't ever had any troubles with him. But there are other people around the area or people that may even live further out west but come to this area and they'll cut locks, they'll cut fences, and then they'll just come on, shoot things. Um, my wife's in-laws, they live about another hour west of us on a big wheat farm, and they've had plenty of problems with people. They, they cut the fence in one spot, then they'll hoon around um, the wheat paddocks, shooting feral pigs and feral dogs, and then they'll just cut a cut the fence in some other spot and drive out. So now they've got holes in their fences and somebody's um, just done a lot of, like, driven through all their wheat field and that doesn't help for their um, business. And so, yeah, doggers and piggers are a big problem out this way. Um, 
I mean, like I said, there are there are good ones that you can trust and that they'll do everything legitimately, but there's a bunch of ones that will just cut locks, cut fences, and and go on trespass in order to get what they need to get. I see. That's a problem I wouldn't have even imagined having. It's it's really interesting to hear about. Let's take a moment for a word from our sponsor. Thank you so much for a great 2020 and for listening to The Lutheran Cartographer. It's been a great year. I've learned a lot of things about podcasting, and I'm sure you have some feedback for me as well, good and bad. I would appreciate it if you take a few moments of your time to go to lutherancartographer.com slash 2020 survey to let me know what you liked and what you didn't. And be sure and vote for your favorite episode as well. Thank you. Again, that's lutherancartographer.com slash 2020 survey. Thank you again. Let's go on now and talk about what it's like to be Lutheran where you are. You've mentioned a couple church bodies. Would you mind reviewing those really quickly for us and tell us a little bit more about the kind of general religious atmosphere in Australia and in Dalby in particular? So with the Lutheran church bodies, there is the main Lutheran church body in Australia known as the Lutheran Church of Australia. And then there is about about a dozen or more little micro synods in Australia. There's no main rival Lutheran church body in Australia. All the other church bodies are small. The biggest is the Australian Evangelical Lutheran Church that I mentioned earlier. They've got seven congregations. They're all located here in Queensland. The third biggest would be a small group called the Evangelical Lutheran Congregations of the Reformation, the ELCR. They've got about five, six congregations, plus a couple little uh, preaching points. They have their main, most of their congregations in Queensland, but they do have a couple like little mission preaching points in the southern states of Australia. And then all the other little groups other than that are, again, one or two congregations. So most Lutherans in Australia are part of the LCA. Uh, with that, however, I'm not sure you live in America. How, how population-wise, like the percentage of the population in America, how many would you say are Lutheran? Oh, I have no idea off the top of my head, but I'd imagine it's somewhere around 1% or 2%. Okay, well, then you're probably pretty similar to Australia. So according to the Australian census, um, 1.26% of Australians are Lutheran. However, we discussed this number at seminary, and according to the Australian census, it says there's about 150,000 Lutherans in Australia. But according to the LCA's membership, there's only about 75,000 um, members that are, are part of the LCA. So the other 75 is not in the micro synods. Um, Australia, while Lutheranism as a denomination is not very big, we have tended to punch above our weights when it comes to private schooling. So Lutheran schools, are quite there's quite a lot in Australia, and most people... If they've ever heard of Lutheranism, it's mostly because they went to the, the Lutheran private school. And so there are a lot of people that fill out the census as Lutheran 
because they go to the Lutheran school, but have never ever probably gone to a Lutheran church. Um, as for Lutheranism in the Dolby area, so Toowoomba, going back about two hours um, east of me, there are two locations in Australia that have the most Lutherans, and that is the Barossa Valley, an area in South Australia where a lot of the first Lutherans settled back in the early 1800s. Um, and then the second biggest place for Lutherans would be Toowoomba City. There are a, about a dozen different congregations within the city. Some of that's to do with traditional splits, but a lot of that's to do with the fact that Toowoomba is a much bigger city and it can support that many different congregations. And Toowoomba is a very very Lutheran area. If you're looking for a Lutheran church, you'll be able to find a lot in Toowoomba. However, again, if you go in that area between Brisbane and Toowoomba, that's where I grew up, there are lots of Lutheran churches down there. It was a heavily uh, German immigrants settled there in the late 1800s. And so that area is very Lutheran. Once you go kind of west of Toowoomba, the churches become very um, uh, few and far between. The, the Dolby Lutheran Church of the LCA, they actually look after a number of congregations. I'm not sure how many congregations are part of that parish, but there's quite a number, and the, the drive time between each congregation is like a half hour minimum or so. So the congregations are very... Spurs. Um, and then my my church, the St. John's, is a member of the Co-Elk, and we're, we're a house church, so we're pretty small as well. So, yeah, Lutheranism isn't very big out here. If you, if you go east of Toowoomba or if you're in Toowoomba, you'll find a lot more Lutheran churches, but once you hit, hit west of Toowoomba, it's pretty much like the rest of Australia. We're pretty few and far between. I see. That makes sense. So I want to ask you about where you think Australia in general is on kind of the religious spectrum. So many Americans think about, for example, Europe being a very secularized place and where America is moving more in that direction, we're not quite as far along as you might say Europe is. Where would you place Australia on that spectrum? So I've heard it said before that Australia is basically America 30 years behind. Oh, okay. So that's roughly about like where we'd be. We're following the same trajectory as America, but we're probably still a little bit more religious at the moment. Um, but then again, with things like Hillsong, um, which was founded in Australia, um, and that kind of really evangelical megachurch kind of things, they're, they're kind of a bit more the main kind of religious in Australia. That and kind of bit of Catholics and Anglicans, or I think you call them a, a, a Episcopal church in America. Um, we call them Anglicans, but uh, so those are uh, Catholics, Anglicans, and evangelical megachurches are kind of the three main big religious bodies here. Um, I mean, a good point is that 
uh, a few prime ministers back. We had we had our first female prime minister, but she was also noted as being like the first openly atheist prime minister as well. So a lot of our prime ministers are very they're either nominally religious or they're very religious. Um, for example, a few prime ministers back with this guy named Tony Abbott. He is a rather devout conservative Catholic. He had actually, in his youth, had considered entering the priesthood before he decided to get married instead. Uh, and our current Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, he... I'm not sure what they call themselves now. They used to be the assembly Assemblies of God, but I think they call themselves something different now. But it's, again, it's one of those mega-church, Pentecostal-style churches. So um, our, our current Prime Minister is, like... Again, he's and he's very involved in his church, so he's very religious. So we, we've tended to have our our leaders in Australia, our, our political leaders have tended to be somewhat religious. And yeah, I think we're, we're moving to a more secular, atheist kind of culture and society. But I don't think we're as far gone yet as places like Europe or even America yet. So. Yeah, probably about America, about 20, 30 years lag. Interesting. Okay, good to know. Let's talk now about what it's like to raise a, a family in the Dolby area. <laughs> so, I mean, apart from the fact that there's, you know, crime and stuff here, so you need to keep it out for that. I mean, it's generally pretty good for, um, like, family-wise. I mean, I like the, the rule area it's great to be able to um i've got i've got um two little sons at the moment and a third baby on the way and uh it's great that we can just go down the paddock we've got a quad bike we've got a motorbike um we've got the tractors we've got the ute we've got the truck it's that we can just drive around the paddocks and you know you can let you can let the little kids drive i mean you're on your own property, so you don't have to worry about licenses and road rules. So, uh, also, one thing that I've liked about living in Dolby is that we're allowed to own guns. So, uh, I mean, you can. Australia has much stricter gun laws than America. You can't just everybody can't just go and buy a gun. Uh, and so, in Australia, you need to actually have a purpose. Um, and places I've lived before, um, we did. The property I grew up on, you know, dad had a gun and stuff like that. We were a big enough farming property and we had pests and, you know, management of your own uh, livestock. So you're allowed to have a gun to use for farming purposes. And we've got that out here is with Dolby. Uh, Dolby particularly, we've got feral pigs, we've got feral dogs um, and stuff like that. So you, you need it to be able to kill pests and uh, protect livestock, protect your children um stuff like that so we're allowed we're allowed to have a gun we've got we've got reasons for it we've we've had to do all our gun courses and gun licenses and all that stuff but we're allowed to have a gun and it's fun that you can go out shooting and and it, that that that's some things that i like about this area i mean most rural areas in australia you it, you know it, you, the thing is you also got to be on a big enough property so the gun laws require the property to be X amount of um, uh, acreage. And 
So one, that's a nice thing about being in Dolby. We've got a lot of acreage, a lot of space. We can go out on the motorbikes. Boys can be raised, you know, learn to do things with their hands, get out in the paddock. Uh, we've got farm animals so they can, you know, just just get a pro- proper active education. And, yeah, um, as for Dolby Town, again, the town itself is rather nice. Um it's got some good parks. It's got a public pool. Um, I don't know about the schools in Dolby. Um, they're probably standard public schools. Uh, we're planning to homeschool our kids. That's a mixture of just rural location and also just the the Australian schooling systems have gone very kind of, uh, if your listeners understand the term woke, um, just the Australian education system is very woke at the moment. And so we've just brought in all these things about, uh, they call them safe school and respectful relationships. And basically this is just all the LGBT indoctrination and propaganda that they're trying to force on your kids. And so we, you know, we'd rather homeschool our kids where we could, you know, not have to have them be exposed to all that stuff. And there's no Lutheran school Dolby here. The closest Lutheran school would be back in Toowoomba. You know, if we were going to send our kids there, we'd have to do like, send them to like a boarding school or something like that in Toowoomba, Um, which some people out this way do. Okay. Yeah, the the choice to homeschool sounds like a great one. What what are the laws like in Australia for homeschooling? Are they pretty permissive? Uh, Queensland generally is. It's pretty relaxed. Um, my so my wife was homeschooled, and it's pretty relaxed here in Queensland. Uh, when her family moved to Adelaide in South Australia, the laws were a little bit stricter there, but they're still pretty relaxed. Um, I'm not sure about Victoria, but I know New South Wales is notorious for kind of being kind of very anti-homeschooling and they put a lot of pressure and restrictions on that. So Queensland's pretty, I mean, Queensland, I like to sometimes tell people if they want to know the different states, I tell them that Queensland is kind of like the Texas of Australia. Um, We're a lot more relaxed. Um, Gun laws are a lot more relaxed in, in, in Queensland. Um, a good example is my father-in-law in, in Adelaide there, he has to have like all these security systems and cameras and everything around his gun safe to make sure that people don't break into his house and steal his guns because again, black market guns in Australia is a big problem because of the fact that since not everybody can buy a gun, a lot of people who want guns have to do it through the black market. Um, so they have to have a lot of very strict security things around their guns down in South Australia. In Queensland, um, you don't have to have your ammo under lock and key. In South Australia, you do. In Queensland, you have to have your guns locked up, but your ammo and stuff doesn't have to be. Um, and I forget which category it is i don't have a gun in that category so it doesn't matter but one of the categories you don't even need to have a proper gun safe you can have a padlocked wooden box and that counts so the laws are a lot more 
just everything. The laws are a lot more relaxed in Queensland, so we're we're a pretty um, hands-off state mostly. All right, that sounds good. So tell us a little bit more about the area. We'd, I'd especially like to hear about the things that you'd recommend checking out. If somebody's coming into town, what things would you recommend seeing? Restaurants, activities? How do you? How would you encourage somebody to explore the area? Dolby area itself uh, isn't, there isn't quite a lot of stuff in Dolby. I mean, there's not a lot of like special landmarks or stuff to see. We don't, we're, we're a big town that we've got a few things, but we're still small enough that we don't have heaps of stuff. So there's like a public pool. Um, there's a, like a youth center that has like a gymnastics and I believe there's laser tag there. Uh, we have a, a cinema, but uh, it's not owned by like one of the big major corporations. It's owned by the local council and it has one screen and they have uh, like a, a film for adults and a film for children. And they're only airing like three days a week and at particular times. Although thanks to uh, COVID stimulus packages, the Dolby, uh, they're renovating at the moment to put a second screen in. So we now have two screens, but that's like, that's our cinema. Um, when my wife grew up here, Dolby used to have a bowling alley, but it closed down um, sometime while she was living in South Australia. So in Dolby, there's not a lot of stuff. I mean, probably one interesting thing is we got a like a little pioneer heritage museum. So it's a little outdoor museum. They've got all old farm machinery, old trains, real old little like churches and buildings that they've collected. And uh, once a year, they kind of do like this big pioneer day. And so they get all blacksmiths and, you know, people that are all into that kind of colonial era uh, type of stuff. And they'll come on and you big horses and wagons into a big display. So that that's a nice thing, but you have to kind of be here for the, for the day. Um, uh, if you go outside of Dolby, uh, if you go back to Toowoomba, there's quite a lot of stuff to do in Toowoomba. Like they've got skating, a trampoline place, bowling alley, plenty of cinemas. Uh, it's a big, it's a big city. So it's got, that's all your entertainment stuff. Places you might take people to check out though. Um, a good example is the Bunya Mountains. So when Pastor Magnus Sorensen came over and visit us to ordain me, that's where we took him. So that's about hour-ish drive north of here is a place called the Bunya Mountains. It's just got a lot of um, lookouts, bushwalking, scrubland. Uh, it's, it, it's real nice scenery. You get right up on the mountains. You can just see for ages. It's, it's a real beautiful location. So that would be probably – that would be the main place I would recommend people go if they're out here. So go check that out. One place you could go is – like I said, I'm half an hour west of Dolby, out on the farming area. I'm right smack bang between uh, Dolby and the next main area known as Mooney. Um, again, Mooney is a real kind of small area. They've got like a primary school, a post office, stuff like that. But what Mooney is most known for is the Mooney Crossroads. It's a big truck stop. It's the fuel station out there. Uh, it's got like your little standard truck stop, um, little kitchen there. So 
the the food there's not overly fancy but what they've got is that inside the little kind of restauranty part there is they've all got taxidermied um feral pigs so they've got them on the walls that's that's their main big attraction is you come there and you can sit in the restaurant you got this big boar's head on the wall and some little taxidermy balls around the place so and it's kind of a little touristy attraction that people like to when they're passing through stop in have a meal check the stuff out and yeah those, those would probably be the main kind of places you could take people if you wanted to show them something cool all righty good deal so now let's talk about current events and i want to ask you about Australia and, well, I guess Queensland's response to the coronavirus. I've heard some areas of the the country are locked down very tightly. What's it like where you are? So during the main COVID lockdowns back in uh, March through May kind of last year, basically I never really had any change to my life. Uh, the only reason I go to town is to either go to work at the pet shop or to go get groceries. Otherwise, we spend most of our time out here on the farm. And so during even the main, most intense lockdowns, when you were, quote, only allowed to leave home for groceries or if your business was still open, and since the pet shop remained open during the lockdowns, I was allowed to go into town. I was allowed to go to the to work. I was allowed to go to the shops. Wife couldn't really leave home unless she was going to the shops. Um, but like, so our our life changed very little. Uh, but Queensland itself has been pretty relaxed within the state. Our border has been pretty strict. We've been pretty strict to keep people out of the state. Um, but within the state we've been pretty opened up so you can drive around a lot you can go to most places in the state uh we've still got a couple like with restaurants and stuff like they can only have like 10 people in there at a time but even that a lot of things have um relaxed more recently so like at the pet shop we had a sign there that we were only allowed a max of 13 people in the store um once we've gone into new year we've been able to up that to over 40 people so queensland itself is kind of relaxed within the state but we've still tended to keep a pretty strict border on letting people come into the state and that's generally to do with a lot of places like victoria and new south wales where the main kind of outbreaks uh, Sydney and Melbourne have had the main outbreaks, and so we've kind of kept our borders closed to New South Wales and Victoria, and not let any of their people come up into the up into Queensland. To compare the differences, um, Victoria has had very strict lockdowns. Uh, there's a reason why people in Australia nickname Victoria the Socialist Republic of Victoria. They have got a very kind of Labor left-wing government down there, and they've been very, very strict on their lockdowns. And so Queens, Queensland is a paradise compared to Victoria. I see. So if Queensland is Texas, then Victoria is like California or New York then? 
that would be that'd be about right, yeah. I see. Okay. All right. Now as we start to close out the podcast, I want to make sure to give you the opportunity to point listeners wherever you'd like, your church's website, places to follow you online. Where would you like to point our listeners? So I pretty much have two places to send people to. So we'll start with church. So they can either find the um, Co-Elk or the Confessional Orthodox Evangelical Lutheran Communion on Facebook, or they can go to the website, www.coelk.com. C-O-E-L-C dot org. Um, or the St. John's congregation has its own Facebook page as well, so you can find out our information there. If you go to the Coelk website, we've got a tab for the congregations and stuff like that, so you can click on the tab there and look up information on the congregation itself. So that would be where I'd send people for church. Uh, otherwise... A place where I'd really like to send people is to the Order of Night George. So the Order of Night George is an online media ministry uh, organization that I've kind of started. It's gone through a few iterations, but I've been doing it since about my second year of seminary. Um, it's a confessional, orthodox, conservative, Lutheran media ministry mostly focused on Australian Lutheranism, but I do get stuff from all around the place. Uh, we've got a website, www.nightgeorge.info, or you can just search The Order of Night George on either YouTube, SoundCloud, or on iTunes. That's where we post all our content. We've got videos, we've got podcasts, we've got sermon audio. Um, if you go to the website, we've got papers and articles uh, written by a range of different Lutheran pastors in Australia. Uh, one of the main goals of the Order of Night George is that it's not connected to any one synod. So I've got, I've got stuff there from the LCA as well as a lot of the micro synods on the website. And yeah, I encourage people to check it out, um, watch the videos, support us. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Dear listener, you can find links to all that good stuff that Pastor Zabel just mentioned at the show notes page. That'll be at lutherancartographer.com slash 58. Pastor Zabel, thank you so much for your time today. What are your parting thoughts for our listeners? Um, if they're ever coming to Australia, I would recommend to check out some of the micro synods. If, if you're interested in going to a Lutheran church on Sunday and they're visiting, tell them to contact me. I'll let them know which churches they can go to, where they can find the Lutheran churches. There's the micro synod churches that most of them are pretty um, conservative and will be a good service. Uh, whereas with the LCA, you've got to be able to kind of pick and choose which congregation you go to, you've got a range of some that are good conservative traditional congregations and some that are liberal, some that are very contemporary hill-style kind of worship. Um, so, send, so if anyone's coming to Australia, just, just send me a message and say, I'm going to be staying in this area. What kind of congregations would you recommend I go visit? Fantastic. Thank you so much. God's peace. God bless.
Thanks for listening to The Lutheran Cartographer. For more about the things that we talked about today, check out the show notes page at lutherancartographer.com slash 58. Last call to fill out that 2020 survey. If you enjoyed The Lutheran Cartographer, or if you didn't, I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can give me your feedback about the show at lutherancartographer.com slash 2020 survey. Make sure you're subscribed to the show on your favorite podcast app or on iTunes or on Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you don't miss an episode. And until next time, I'm Nicholas Weber. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon.